Hi folks, I'm Alan Watson. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 20th April 2012. For newcomers, you should help yourself to the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com and you'll find lots of audios to download for free where it covers the history of this last century and even long before. Because the system that runs the world is the, a vastly different system from the one you're trained to believe in. And um, really, we've been conned for an awful long time uh, and how this system actually works. We are trained to see things one way, and very clever people with hundreds, maybe thousands of years of experience actually work the world in a completely different way altogether. At home, they give us a good version. We're all nice, nicey people. And abroad, of course, we plunder and send in special forces and, and uh, provocateurs to bunch of countries and work for the taking over the country, knocking it down from the inside, terrorizing people, and if necessary, creating war. So that's really the system you're, you're living in today. Uh, it just goes on and on and on. It never stops. And, and really, it's been going on for such a long time, even right through the 20th century, well documented, and uh, and people don't even know about it. They prefer to choose. Well, they choose to prefer, really, uh, the nice version. We're all just goody-goody, and the flags, doesn't matter what country you live in, the flag always means something special to you. So I go through the histories of the organization that came together in the late 1800s and into the 20th century and still run the world today almost openly as far as I'm concerned, and how they brought the big international banks in with them. And that's really the international money lenders. These are big, big boys. And as I say, you can go to the website help yourself. Remember, too, you can keep me going by buying the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And uh, you'll find that uh, from the U.S. to Canada, you can use a personal check still. You can also use an international postal money order from the post office. You can send cash or you can use PayPal to order the books. And across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal once again. And straight donations are really, really awfully welcome. Can't stress that enough uh, in this present time of uh, inflation, everything going up in price and up in price and up in price. It's absolutely crazy. But that's the agenda they said for the next 10 years until you're eventually the, the dollar to, to, well, the dollar already has devalued, but since, say, four years ago, by another 10 years, that's 14 years or so, you'll be, it'll be worth about half in purchasing power what it is today. That's, that's the expert's opinion of how to work around all these problems, you see, of massive debt, which we shouldn't be in in the first place. But you see, the system is designed that way. It's designed to get us into massive debt, always was. And Carl Quigley went through the whole agenda with the International Monetary Fund to be set up, a World Bank, the Bank for International Settlements, and how eventually they took over the, took over the entire world through debts, basically. And they would allocate cash to each country on, on a debt basis. It's all happened. You're living through it. And they were there pretty well for world governments. Back with more after this break.
Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix talking about the system we live in and how we it's projected to us uh, the system that we're taught to believe really exists and that's why we have law, you know, fairly pretty much law and order at home basically wherever home happens to be and uh, and we also think we're good as a people you see we're taught that, we're trained to believe that and meanwhile as I've mentioned before uh, the, those who run your countries and gave you that, that whole perspective on yourselves have a totally different one abroad where they plunder and steal and ravage and rape as well, of course, uh, across the planet and fill the coffers for the big boys who really own your country in the first place. All countries really started up really under kings and immediately they got, they got the, the early type of lawyers in and they created um, corporations. Really, that's what your country is, it's a corporation. And within your corporations, you have, you have many little corporations, and uh, right down to even your local police force, they're a corporation too, all chartered. And uh, it's quite interesting to see how it was all set up. It's all set up, and the economists will tell you that, around money. All the laws in your country really revolve around money. Uh, it, right down to what's, this, what's it worth to kill a person. If you kill a person, what should you pay back? And, and they actually go into what this person might have been worth, you see. If they paid taxes throughout their life and you've just eliminated them, then that will actually put so many years down to your service to pay off. And that's why when they kill people at the bottom, you, they're out in six or seven years. They're not worth too much, you see. I'm not kidding. That's the that's real world. But as I say, we're so brainwashed into it, so cleverly brainwashed into it, and everyone is given the same brainwashing of a generation at the same time, so they all think it's quite natural, like all children do. But also, you'll find that the leaders that run the world today, I'm talking about the leaders, these bureaucrats in high positions, inside and outside your governments, because government now is private public, isn't it? And you have this massive United Nations that was set up to be a world government. And technically it already is, since all your laws, uh, the big laws, come down from the United Nations. And presidents, prime ministers, just sign them into law, without question. All your building codes, uh, even all the codes to do with how many farms you should have by the year 2030, meaning declining, 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 because they don't want you to have small farmers all over the place, because small farms help you out in times of massive depression and hyperinflation. That's what got people through before. And since World War II, the United Nations has had a war on many different aspects of life, but also on farming. And uh, they're quite happy with the big five agri-food businesses taking over all these farms and combining them all into one. Uh, that's no problem at all. They're very happy with GM food. It's a prime mandate for the United Nations, of course, is to get everyone uh, eating this. You don't know what it is anymore, do you? Never mind all the pesticides they've got in it as well. But they're guaranteed to, to take your life down a few years, quite a few years and uh, give you cancers and things like that. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. Because you have to go into the beginnings of the United Nations and like, into the Royal Institute of International Affairs who drafted up and set up the, the League of Nations. It wasn't Wilson that was the guy who set up the League of Nations in America. That's a propaganda. He, had, he turned up there. It was actually Britain, London, actually, that set up the, this whole League of Nations with the intent to set up a world government. And... In the period thereafter, the whole idea was to amalgamate countries together, and they tried to get that done, even they call it pan-Europe, but now it's European Union. I'm talking between the two world wars. 
and um, and they have all social agendas as well, the uh, hyperfeminism and all this kind of stuff. All all of what they, they were using in the communist countries is promoted by the United Nations. Not to, to, to divide and conquer, you understand, not to help any particular group at all. It's all divide and conquer, because we're all divided and all fighting each other and arguing with each other. They come in with all their experts and their agencies from your government, and, and they deal with it all and take over, because the family has to be totally eliminated, you see, and they've done an awfully good job of, about doing it. But when they first started up, the United Nations, they had all these different groups, and uh, UNICEF was one of them. Uh, UNICEF was going to to basically... Uh, help all the children and uh, all these philanthropic tropical organizations as you say I'm talking too quickly here but the thing is philanthropy is the big con it's hard to attack a charity when you think it's a charity it's only when you realize it's not a charity at all it's got a social and political agenda that you can get involved and that's what you must do with all of these things even Weishaupt remember said that philanthropic organizations would eventually uh, advise and run governments a long time ago and all these organizations, the foundations that are owned by multi-trillionaires, the big bankers, the Rockefellers, Carnegie's, etc., um, they were all set up to be the fronts to funnel trillions to in non-governmental organizations across the world, all with nice-sounding names, mind you. But um, remember, I've read before from the book by um, Julian Huxley, the brother of Aldous Huxley, who talked, he was the first CEO of UNESCO, and he talked, uh, and UNICEF, but he, he talked about their agenda at the time, and through education, uh, they would eventually alter the world through basically brainwashing children, and as the communists had done with the, the young communist movement, and, and the Nazis did too, with the Hitler youth, and they're doing it too to provide future leaders that rule over the rest of us, you see. Now, when you get children, they don't have the experience of life. It's very easy to brainwash them. It's so easy, the media does it every day by showing you one part of a story but never the other side of a story. That's how. So you come to the required opinion, the pre-designated opinion. You'll always arrive at the same thing. And that's, of course, how they teach children in school as well. And they'll see, oh, the poor polar bears drowning. They're not drowning, they're swimming. And they've always swum as far as we can tell, for hundreds and thousands of years. And they can swim hundreds of miles, by the way. And if you show them this, this thing and you, the, the music playing in the background, you've got an intense voice there, generally a, a woman's voice, uh, almost with a monotone to it and, and incessant, you, you say, oh my God, this is terrible, the world's falling apart. And that's how they brainwash children, through emotive lectures, you see. So just to get back to it, I'm going to put a link up tonight to talk about uh, uh, one of their meetings and to show you at UNICEF, they're turning out leaders of the future. Now, these are children going to their annual conferences. It doesn't stop just with the conference. They also keep working it in school projects at home through the educational system, which, again, all comes from the UN. And, uh, and they're, taught all, they're going to be little, little fascists when they grow up and utterly true believers, fanatics, to push the next part of the agenda through, which is no homes, no, 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 no private property, that kind of thing. The, the Millennium Project, they're steeped in the little children prattling on about the Millennium Project. It's just amazing. But 
They're given total hands to do this and a free hand to do this. And people don't say anything. The children think it's great, also a great honor to go to the United Nations and, and be part of this. And that's exactly as I say, don't forget, never ever forget when they go for children with political and social agendas, uh, you know, that's not philanthropic at all. That's the agenda. And that should be stopped right away. Because no one, I don't care who you are, can make up your mind on anything until you've got a bit of life experience and then you see all the cons have been pulled in the past and even show people to show them how the cons are pulled off in the present. That's what has to be done. That's why homeschoolers are the only chance there is really. Um, you can't put children to public schools anymore. But I really don't. I can see these people growing up. They'll go right into positions at the United Nations. The United Nations, remember, has its own school system for its own bureaucrats. And, of course, it's just a hereditary job. But also taking other ones who've got the potential to be rabid fanatics. And then these fanatics end up in your communities when they're 20, 21. And next thing you know, they're appointed over your councils and so on. Into the environmental group. So it's just disgusting, as I say. And look up Wikipedia and, and see what UNICEF says. And, um, and then look into this particular uh, little video that I'll put up tonight at cuttingthroughthematrix.com at the end of the night. And uh, these are true little fanatical believers. Astonishing. But, but then I'm not again, you know, all the communists have used this technique. Uh, they've used it in Cambodia as well, where they got young children to go out and slaughter all the parents at one point. Because they brainwashed them. That's the world you live in. That's the real world you live in. The real one. Now, the International Monetary Fund, as Carol Quigley said, and he was the insider at the Council on Foreign Relations, who got into the archives and was their official historian. They have their own version of history. And they admit in their own version of history, they start, they were behind all the wars. And they would agitate in countries to get wars going, which they did from the very beginning, in fact. And he documents it very well in the Anglo-American establishment. And take over all the world's resources. That's what we're doing right now. The water, the oil, all the minerals, everything of value whatsoever, but mainly everything that's necessary for the sustainability of life for humans or animals, in fact. Water and food. Water and food, water and food. Keep saying that as a mantra every day. And then look up, do a search to see anything to do that comes up with water and food. Incredibly important stuff. Because without that, everything else is mute point. Osborne, under pressure to provide extra IMF loans, it says, it says, um, finance ministers from the G20. Now, the G20 is again what Quigley talks about: the, that the, the leaders of every country would eventually form these little clubs. They used to call them circles at one point in the early days, and then they called them other names. Interrupt to the groups of twenty. They also have councils of of tens, etc. Standard Royal Institute of International Affairs. But they want to boost the IMF's power over all the world. Back with more after this.
Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, back cutting through the matrix, talking about the IMF, the World Bank, the Bank for International Settlements, and this is what Quigley talks about when he was, it's probably one of the most important books in the last century written. Uh, Tragedy and Hope and Anglo-American Establishment, two books actually. So uh, he goes through the whole agenda from their own records. But uh, that's how it's to be. And of course, it's getting, you get one country in a debt, one after another, and then you amalgamate the whole lot. And is it, you make it worse and worse, then the answer and solution is to amalgamate them even more uh, and to strip away all vestiges of any national sovereignty at all, any say in their own countries. And that's what's happened with Europe, of course. And they're working hard to do the same with uh, the Americas, as they call it. Some of the Americas was held recently, and that's part of the agenda too, as get Canada, the States, Mexico, and others into the whole. And the IMF comes in as a big savior, but an awful stiff price, because they manage your country. They manage your politicians then when they come in. So it says here that the finance ministers from the G20 group, this club that they formed, it's nobody's charter, they can form these international clubs, but they do it anyway are meeting in Washington to discuss boosting the IMF's resources, and the manager of IMF, Director Christine Lagarde, wants to boost the organization's lending capacity by $400 billion. And this is all to each other, because they're all in the hole to the same guys who own the IMF. They comprise IMF, the same guys, the World Bank boys, and, and so on. What a deal, eh? What a deal. And yet, let's be honest here. I don't care what your IQ level is. You have to figure this out rather quickly and simply because it is very, very simple. It's a totalitarian, you know, takeover of the entire globe and everybody in it by a system that they dare not change. They will not change it. All these supposed experts can't see it ain't working. It's not meant to work. From that, from your point of view, from their point of view, it is working. They've got you all in the hole. They've got politicians in the hole. They own them. They've got them in the pocket. And, and that's really what it's all about. So they're passing, so now every country has to pass money to every, every other country to help their economy. We're already passing money through the World Trade Organization, also put through by the same boys at Royal Institute of International Affairs, uh, that are, we're sending money to China to build hospitals and schools for them while they rake in trillions every year. And same with India and Brazil, emerging countries they call it. Well, they cut you back to the bone at home. And they won't change it. You see, this is a battle plan. They're not going to change their strategy because this is the strategy for the battle plan. And folk put up with it. Oh, well, what can you do? Rates go up. Oh, well, you know. Now, again, uh, the Royal Institute for International Affairs stated that its goals were also to take over all, all resources across the planet, all resources, into the hands of a few powerful families. And I'll put up a link tonight too to peak oil, uh, the, the con of peak oil. Well, they tried that in the 70s and, and then turned out books because they're working again with the Club of Rome that tied in with global warming, running out of resources, famine and the like. That'll do. You know, that's basically the, what they came up with, this big think tank, the Club of Rome, who have unleashed a whole bunch of stuff that they did in the 70s once again right now to get us all terrified of the environment and so on. Uh, and... and in preparation for the Rio Plus uh, 20 meeting, 2012. So anyway, the myth of fossil fuel scarcity and origins, and it says the world is awash with oil and natural gas. And peak oilers have had a pretty hard time lately, not only uh, global unconventional uh, fines flattened at the Hubert's peak 
more and more. That was the peak oil uh, conventional plays that are cropping up. Running out, we have more than enough of, on, of the black stuff to incinerate ourselves several times over. Such supply-side bounty has been well documented in America, uh, but not just in the U.S. and Canada, but across Latin America, offering a second pass at resource riches. And they've got it all over the place now. They're found in Australia. They've found it in various parts of Africa recently, massive quantities of oil. And the big boys don't, don't plan letting the Africans have it, you understand that. They, they, they knew it was there all along. Uh, but uh, their big corporations will go in and manage them, you see. Because you might not have to bomb Africa in its emission, it's pretty well poor already. But uh, uh, that's what they're doing in the Middle East too, is grabbing all the resources. Under the guise of, you know, terrorism and, and, and getting those nasty people and killing folk that presidency are just bad men. And that's worth the risk, killing them. Well, well, the world's better without so-and-so. That's what presidents actually say. Is that a personal thing with them? Just doesn't like the way the guy looks or something. They go in and, and bomb you, and that's good enough for the people, eh? Well, who's next? Believe me, when they run out of enemies, and they're already doing it as they're doing this, because there's, there's two programs going on simultaneously, they're, they're, they're getting ready to, to literally, well, they already have, they've dominated most people across the planet under the guise of anti-terrorism. But when there's nothing else to plunder across the planet, believe you me, and you hope it lasts a while, because when they turn on you really, really hard, uh, you'll wish you were somewhere else, if there's anywhere else they haven't taken over, that is. This is a world agenda. Another article, too, is the, is the obvious. Everything is very obvious. Uh, it's about a guinea pig generation of children growing up addicted to hardcore Internet pornography. Members of parliaments were warned last night. Like, they don't know. Eh? This is mainstream. They don't know. You should see the Mail Online. The Mail Online shows you nothing but half-clad females all down the right-hand side of every story. This is the ones who are bringing this to you. <laughs> It says four out of five 16-year-old boys and girls regularly access porn online when one in three 10-year-olds have seen explicit material. Anyway, the whole thing boils down to the fact that they're addicted to it. Youngsters, youngsters are getting addicted. That's the whole point of it, isn't it? Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix and talking about internet pornography. And of course the big boys use this too, even for the security and watching all of us, in case they get pedophiles, supposedly. They know every pedophile there is, because these guys start pretty early, and they're always in trouble. And they, 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 they keep tabs on them wherever they go, all the time. But it's a great excuse to watch all your emails and everything else, isn't it? And what sites you're looking at. It's a great excuse. You understand, the boys, the perpetrators who cause the problems by using the media, and pretty well all of major media belongs to the Council on Foreign Relations, Royal Institute of International Affairs. All of it, across the planet. So it runs both sides of the plan, you see. Uh, and, and I'm talking about one right now, internet uh, pornography, and how they're shocked about it. Shocked. Oh, my goodness. Members of Parliament are shocked. They have had articles in the British papers about members of Parliament, and female ones at that, with families, who, who even put their expenses down for, for their internet porno watching on the taxpayer. 
So they're all shocked to you, supposedly. Suddenly, they're all suddenly naive, you know. But it says, four out of five, sixty-year-old boys and girls regularly access the porn online. And it says that, um, uh, one appalled MP revealed that her son had told her that swapping hardcore images on memory sticks between pupils at his school is absolutely rife. And there are fears that, now listen to this, fears that the rise of internet pornography is leaving teenagers unable to maintain normal relationships and even increasing their susceptibility to grooming by sexual abusers. Now this is happening at the same time when the elite at the top are pushing and they have annual meetings about it, all different groups that have paid and financed through their foundations to, to lower the sexual consent age and eventually do away with the term paedophilia altogether. They call it intergenerational sex instead. It's just more, you know, diffuse and obscure. So anyway, that's where they're going with it. So they play both sides of it, but they're shocked when they find out it works. Oh, my goodness. As I say, the Mail Online has got nothing but that down the right-hand side of every darn story. I don't see any 40- and 50-year-old half-clad people there. It's all, it's, it's all teenagers and so on. And see the hypocrisy of it all? They know darn well what they're doing. You couldn't do it without the media. And the media was at it long before. I'm talking about daily papers. Long, long before the internet came along. To the people at the bottom, that is. But it says, um, so they'll be unable to maintain normal relationships. Well, that's exactly what they said. The, the abolition of the family unit. And Bertrand Russell was given an experimental school back in the 1920s to try and promote um, pre-pubertal sexual relationships with children. With the idea to, and, and testing to see if they would have multiple partners and be less susceptible to having a permanent partner. Partner. That was the whole point of it. And that's also the point of internet pornography. They get addicted to that and they cannot bond. It's actually, actually the, the, the Soviets said that they would separate, separate the bonding process, the emotional process from the sexual act itself. That's been done. That's already been done, folks. But see how they're playing both sides in the same newspaper, uh, because they, they know darn well. They know darn well what the agenda is, these reporters. Of course they do. So it's working, in other words. It's working very, very well. They wouldn't say that at the bottom of the page. And talking about the Bank of England and the Bank of Canada and all that, they're all talking about the, the, these, these central banking private systems that they have. The process of selecting the next governor of the Bank of England lacks clarity, a leading politician said on Thursday. That's the first time in about 100 years anybody's asked, how did they elect a person to the top of the bank? Who, I mean, how, this, this, this little clique of generally related people in one way or another. It says, I'm concerned that the process for selecting the next governor lacks clarity. Well, no one knows how to do it. It's all secret. Andrew Tyreek, chairman of the Treasury Select Committee, wrote a letter to Finance Minister George Osborne. I'd be grateful if you'd set out in detail the process envisaged for the appointment of the next governor. The choice of the next governor will perhaps be the most important public appointment the government will make. And that's all there is about it. That's, that's a story. No one knows. It's all secret. And everybody in the country is, you know, just living under this, this shadow of this strange secret governmental system of banking. The top character. What is it? Uh, who appoints them? They all have to work for Goldman Sachs. Mind you, even the, the guy they put in for Canada works for, worked for Goldman Sachs. Yeah. His daddy, his daddy was Canadian who sent him off down to the States to Harvard to get taught 
All three brothers, in fact, are sent down to Harvard on a, on a teacher's pay. Oh, 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 who's kidding who, eh? <laughs> what a joke, what drivel to give the general population. Now, if you think it's not bad enough with it, with the uh, idiots walking around photographing everybody on their iPhones and so on, University of Texas researchers design a chip allowing mobile devices to see through walls. Oh, here we go, it says. It says, an unbelievable as it sounds, researchers at the University of Texas at Dallas have created an imager chip for mobile devices which would turn an ordinary cell phone into something which can see through walls with plastics, paper, skin, and other objects. Uh, and it says, uh, using the tetrahertz band of electromagnetic spectrum, the wavelengths of which fall between the microwave and the infrared bands, the chip could signify a revolution in surveillance capabilities of mobile phones, along with new chips like Broadcom's, and it gives you the number of it, which is capable of providing ultra-precise location data. So everybody better be able to spy on everyone else, and you won't care if the cops go by and, and scan your house too to see what you're up to, wherever you happen to be, in whatever position as well. And this is what's been permitted out there, because everyone, as the CIA director has said, has been turned into a spy. It's awfully, awfully handy, you know, for, for them to get all these images coming through with the locations and everything instantly. And who lives in that house, yadda yadda yadda. See, you're all being trained that you're going to have no privacy whatsoever. You are in a prison. You understand that? That's what prisoners see every day. The little peephole goes through and eye pops at it and they stare at you, sitting on the can or something. That's what you're in. That's what it is, folks. But it doesn't really matter. Most folks will accept it. That's how folks are. Well, they won't do it to me until they see people outside their homes one day uh, scanning them. And then it'll be normal, you see. You adapt quickly. Now, I've mentioned before about the United Nations again and the so-called philanthropic organizations that work with the United Nations. This new parallel government we have, you see. That's what it is. It's been here for a long time. And uh, and when you tie that in with the bill that Kissinger put through on depopulation and so on and the big world meeting they had in 1946 with uh, the British royalty, a world meeting to do with bringing the population down quickly. They, said, they decided at that meeting uh, that they would uh, take Africa down quick, some way or another, and that they would take down the Western civilized countries, so-called civilized, uh, more slowly by making people sick, you see. Who wants to marry a sick person? That's really how they planned to do it. And you'd have earlier deaths, etc. But not all at once, which is great, because no one takes any notice when they're, the ten are dying off in a little area, rather than having every second neighbor dying off. You kind of notice it then, wouldn't you? And the cancers have been skyrocketing, and that's the purpose of it too. They didn't sit back and say, oh, what will we do, just convince the public to accept euthanasia? No, no. They decided that there and then to sterilize you through your inoculations and your food. Bill Gates and 47,500 cases of paralysis. This is his wonderful, you know, promotion to, along with the big pharma, of course, it really is bacterial and viral warfare. That's what they are, the facilities for that. That's what they are. Um, This is in India. Monsanto hired Bollywood actors to promote genetically engineered cottonseed to literate farmers. And it says... um, the advertising has been called aggressive, unscrupulous, and false. Bill Gates heavily invested in Monsanto's GMOs as well as in vaccines, hired the most beloved of Indian actors, Amitabh uh, Bachkan, uh, it's called, to promote the oral polio vaccine. Now, the oral polio vaccine uses a live virus. Everywhere they've put it, they've had outbreaks of polio. They've already got that in Nigeria. 
uh, and you look up the, just punch up Nigeria and polio and World Health Organization who were behind it then with the Gates too and they were given, and they got they, they created see once it's in your body you become a breeder for it that's what the point they call you breeders and the farm, big pharma calls you breeders and you, you'll breed thousands of these things and with every person a little bit of genetic material changes hands over to the virus and, and vice versa and because um, that's what viruses are great for doing they, they steal genetic material and alter themselves in the process so they ended up in Nigeria and different places with uh, an active uh, polio which they couldn't treat so here they are not only are they killing you with the food they're soaked with their special pesticides but uh, the oral, oral polio vaccine now it's in India here's one example of the ads Buckman uh, created uh, here is Bakan and the use of Bollywood itself to promote the vaccines and here's another ad it shows you all, them, all the links to all these things the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation says worldwide efforts in the last two decades have reduced the number of polio cases by 99%. Until we reach eradication, however, we're working with governments and all partners in the polio effort to ensure no child is at risk of either contracting or transmitting this crippling disease. Monsanto used Bollywood actors and so on. And the cotton seeds as well. By the way, the BT cotton seeds. I don't know if you ever looked into cotton seeds. In China, uh, you, can't, you, you couldn't sell it to the people and, uh, to, to take off your hands. Because in the cottonseed is an actual uh, very effective male sterilant, sterilizes the males. Very, very effective. And Chinese government had used it on the people in China before. So they know all about what it's for. And it's even in the the, the eggs you get too, by the way. I've noticed that. I thought, how how weird. They they ban it in the States eventually when it comes out that the Chinese are using it to sterilize the males. Uh, And then they start feeding it in, in chicken feed for the big companies, those big factory farms of chickens, it's in the cotton, it's in their damn feed for God's sake, and you're eating egg, so you're getting it anyway, another good way to get you sterilized profits from Monsanto rose when yields were less than promised, farmers incurred massive debt leading to many to suicide and what's considered the worst ever recorded wave of suicides in this kind in human history, to date the number of suicides has surpassed 250,000 the end justifies the means, eh? remember too then in India, it was the Rothschilds who moved in and bought over those farms for peanuts once they'd killed off the farmers and brought in the GM foods because they're in it too. Anyway, what happens is wherever they've gone with the, the polio vaccine, they've come up with this new uh, cases of paralysis, you see. Obscure paralysis. Now, that's what you used to get from polio. And that happened in the West as well with the massive campaign to get everybody immunized against polio. It was not rampant like they, they said it was. And, of course, lo and behold, it says we're, we've eradicated it in places like Britain and elsewhere. And suddenly they came up with this other thing. They had um, meningitis and encephalitis. Same darn thing. So they didn't call it polio anymore. It didn't cure anything. What was it for? They definitely put cancer viruses in it and lots of other uh, biowarfare uh, minutiae in there too to sterilize you I think it all happens by chance everyone's going sterile by chance if you do keep watching the 6 o'clock news and this article here too um, it's about uh, your car it won't belong to you basically in 2015 the latest uh, brick in the wall is a predictably named moving ahead for progress in the 21st century, also known as Senate Bill 1813. 
And there's links to, from this article. I'll put all these links up tonight at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. But it says, uh, you get the full text of the bill here. And this is a little black box that records all your data, where you're going. It can switch you off remotely, whether you like it or not. And uh, you can't start your engine uh, without the black box being working. That's all part of it, too. At the moment, supposedly, you can ask for it to be disabled. Uh, but uh, it's, they're going to make it a law that you can't. And it'll be, once it's enabled, your engine won't start uh, unless it's active. I'll put that up for you all to have a, a little gander at tonight as well. And lo and behold, there's a national opposition to wind farms that popped up in Britain. And it says a new group is being launched that will oppose wind farm policy in the UK. And it's very good, actually. The real, you know, data, the real dope, as they used to say, on, on what wind farms do and how they can't really function very well at all. They can't store the energy. Uh, we pay more money to keep them going than that they ever produce an, an energy at all. And I'll put this up tonight for those who want to maybe join the group or at least look through it and see what it's up to. Because it's the facts you need. It's facts which you need. And there's plenty of facts out there. Everybody, even at the top, they know darn well. Uh, financially, it's a dead loss. But it's going to put you all in the hole, you understand. I said for years, you will be paying a lot more for one hour's electricity, maybe even a day, just to charge your batteries than you've ever paid in the past. They privatize, they're privatizing all uh, what really is the public's. It's supposed to belong to the public. All the different uh, systems are set up for gas and everything else. It's your cash that finances it all up. They call it public for a few years, then they privatize it. And then they stiff you because these corporations are not more effective. They're more, more cost efficient. They're in it for the biggest profit they can possibly get. Of course, they're private businesses. But they've used the same con with everything from water supplies to this and that and the other. And you've already paid for it. Your grandparents, for goodness sake, often paid for it too. Paid over and over. And then they give it to private companies that stiff you. And Canada has to go up to twice as much within the next few years. Every year is tacked up about another, another 30% since privatization. And here's a really good one too on Parkinson's disease because this is alarming new research published in the journal Neurotoxology and that the teratology supports the emerging connection between glyphosate, the active ingredient in Roundup Ready, herbicide, as Monsanto still again, and neurodegenerative conditions such as Parkinson's disease and Parkinsonian disorders. Published this month, April 2012, the new study entitled Glyphosate-Induced Cell Death Through Apoptic uh, and Orthophagic Mechanisms Investigate the Potential Brain-Damaging Effects of Herbicides which the authors stated have been recognized as the main environmental factor associated with neurodegenerative disorders such as Parkinson's disease. So then everything that's out there, they know what causes it. This probably on purpose, until you spray it on your garden. <laughs> they found that glyphosate inhibited the viability of differentiated test cells, PC12, adrenal medulla, Derived in both this is parts of the brain, in both close and time-dependent manners, the researchers also found that glyphosate-induced death cell via uh, orthophagy pathways, in addition to activating apoptotic uh, pathways. Roundup herbicide is now a ubiquitous contaminant in the air, rain, groundwater, and food, making complete avoidance near impossible. 
A growing body of experimental evidence now indicates that in addition to its neurotoxology, it also has the following problems. And they go through the cancer problems in endocrine disruptors. And we know, too, it really does do a number on the sexual hormones. Genotoxic, biocide, and cytotoxic, etc. Back with more after this. Don't use the stuff, folks. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, cutting through the matrix. And before I take a caller, another link I'm putting up tonight too is to this article by Sir, Tur- Sir Tim Berners-Lee. Now this is the guy who created the WWW, the World Wide Web. He was the founder and he is advising everyone in Britain and elsewhere to take to the streets. Take to the streets against plans to increase internet monitoring. Now, when he says take to the streets, he obviously means take to the streets because you're going into utter, utter totalitarianism and tyranny. That's the point of it all. This is beyond beyond any tyranny from the, of the past that we're going through now. Be way beyond it. The Stasi would be having orgasms if they had the equipment and technology today rather than putting one out of four people into the population as spies and forcing others to do it. They blackmail folk to spy on each other. Now, there's Rob from Ontario on the line. Are you still there, Rob? Hi, Alan. I'm still here. Yep. Go ahead. Uh, well, I just, I'm calling in to say that uh, I, I love the show and that uh, I have to say I'm, I'm a grad student uh, here in Canada, and uh, I've been doing some research, and, and your analysis with regards to the uh, kind of the, the moral, uh, I guess, uh, swindle that's kind of been put through within kind of the, the 60s generation and that kind of thing where, you know, rock and roll sex and drugs and this kind of thing is a uh, kind of a liberatory movement. is kind of like this Trojan horse. That, uh, yeah, that was intended to be. In. You understand they tried that in the 20s, the roaring 20s, when they got the booze cans and made them awful sexy and brought in the miniskirt then. They were doing the Charlton dance and they even tried coke as well. They brought lots of coke in during the Depression as well. And um, it failed because there's too many... Children uh, being born without parents and the, the homes, foster homes, are overcrowded, uh, and so they, they tucked and had a lot of VD as well, didn't have penicillins and etc. So they touched it away, went back to work, used the taxpayers' money to create the pill, and brought the same system back in again and called it sex, drugs, rock and roll, and the pill. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was terrible, but what I found is that. Uh if you know, you, you're probably familiar with the aestheticism in Oscar Wilde. Yeah. And uh, it's a while since I read his portrait of Dorian Gray, but uh, essentially there's a movie that came out recently, and it kind of reminded me of this because I've been reading a couple of his essays. Uh-huh. And uh, essentially the idea is that the dandy who is like kind of his, his mentor kind of corrupts him morally, and, and it's kind of this culture of youth which kind of connects with like Friedrich Nietzsche. And yes. this idea of like... Uh, Kind of like trying to get away from Christian morality and, and turning towards this kind of uh, appeal to people's kind of egos and uh, yes. their their weaker nature. And it just seems so apparent in like the television programs and that that we watch now. Well, well, now it's moral relativity. In other words, everybody's idea is okay. Everybody's opinion is okay. 
uh, and you can't, there's no real right and wrong, good or evil anymore. That was always their agenda. And once again, you go into the books by Julian Huxley, he talks about the necessity to destroy the last vestiges of Christianity that gave at least basic morals to the public. That's, that was why they didn't care about the reality or, or, or unreality of it. It was the fact that it gave a morality to the public, which gave people respect, self-respect, and that goes to self-respect for, for yourself and then others. That's what follows your respect for other people. And this system is base. It's, 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 uh, narcissistic, of course, but Russell said that too. Narcissistic and hedonistic, and they won't care about anybody else or what's happening to anybody else when the government's after them. Yeah, you're quite right. Yeah, no, terrible. I think you're definitely right on with that. And the other interesting thought I had to do was around the Mayor Goldman uh, logo for the movies that says Art Nouveau's Artist or whatever it is. And that's yeah. art for art. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for calling, Bob. That's the end of the show. And from Hamish and myself, from a once again very white, snowy Ontario, Canada, where I am anyway, it's good night. May your God or your gods go with you.